Hey everyone, welcome to season four of Just Win with Wanda. This season is so special and I can't wait for you to meet our guests. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into the conversation. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Just Win with Wanda, where we do a deep dive into stories behind the people winning in their industries. This week is very special. We have trailblazers, leaders, and women that inspire so many. We have the founders of Young Black Pharma. Young Black Pharma, or YBP, is a nonprofit organization that's geared towards cultivating, inspiring, and connecting young Black professionals in the pharmaceutical and biotech industries. So welcome to the show, Marissa, Don, Ijoma, and Irene. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks, Wanda. Thanks for having us. Not a problem. So before we get into the questions to get to know each of you all a little bit better, we'd love to just do a quick introduction. We can start off with you, Marissa. Sure. So uh, thanks again for having us, Wanda. My name is Marissa West. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Really excited to be here representing Young Black Pharma this morning. Um, I myself, I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for about six years now, which is kind of kind of crazy to say that out loud. I've mostly been in medical affairs throughout my career with experience in publications and scientific communication, also U.S. medical strategy. Um, and then currently I have sort of honed into a new space, which focuses on payers and access and sort of the pathways and all of those uh, dynamics. Nice. Welcome, Marissa. And, and Don, how about you? Hey, good morning. Thanks, Wanda. Um, name is Don Bay. I'm from Houston, Texas. I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for about 10 years now. I was just rudely reminded recently that I've been out of school for 10 years. So I guess I'm becoming an older head. So I've bounced around quite a bit during my pharmaceutical career. I started off in R&D operations, worked in U.S. home office med strat, been an MSL, been a payer MSL, been a field HOR. So currently, now I'm a manager for a field HOR team. So thanks for the opportunity, Wanda. Welcome to the show, Don. And Ijoma, how about you? Thank you so much, Wanda. It's a pleasure to be here with you all today. My name is Ijoma Oyetunde, and I have worked in the pharmaceutical industry for almost nine years now. Wow. Very, very shocking to say that. I've been in medical affairs that entire time, and I've worked in oncology that entire time. And I've had the opportunity to work in medical information, also working in the field as an MSL covering New York City territory. I've worked in U.S. medical strategy. And most recently, I'm a director on the worldwide a medical strategy team. So have lots of experience in medical affairs and also had the opportunity to work on some interesting projects across various different people, business resource groups that we have at the companies too as well. So thank you, Wanda. You're welcome. And last but not least, Irene. Hey, Wanda, thank you so much for inviting us. This is fantastic. So my name is Irene Okeke. I am a PharmD by training, and I am originally from Houston, Texas. Um, I spent some time up in the Northeast doing my or getting my doctorates and also completing a postdoc fellowship. So I've pretty much been in medical affairs throughout my entire career, mostly focusing on the medical science liaison role, loving the role. I'm still in the role right now, just kind of been dipping in and out of different opportunities. For example, I previously just transitioned from oncology to sickle cell disease, which is really much my passion. And as of right now, my company just got acquired by a larger pharmaceutical company. So working on transitioning all of the fantastic work that we've been doing in the past in sickle cell disease. So thank you so much, Wanda. This is a great opportunity and just looking forward to the conversation. 
Thanks, ladies. So for those that are not aware, you know, these individuals are in the pharmaceutical industry, which is a part of STEM. And that takes me to my first question. You know, as we try to get more young women, young ladies into STEM, what I'm curious to know, when did you realize you had an interest in this in this area? Maybe we can start off with Marissa. Sure. Thank you for that question, Wanda. I guess I would say that initial interest grew in high school. Um, I always had a a good interest in biology in my chemistry classes, and I felt that it came somewhat natural to me. But then also, I I would say math was also something that was really a strength of mine. And from there, I really wondered where it would take me. I'll be honest and say I had initially had an interest in journalism. Then after doing my first internship and realizing how much journalists earned, it was really an eye opener for me. And I sort of had a a come to Jesus conversation with my high school counselor. She sort of poured into me and encouraged me, well, you know, you're so strong in math and science, why wouldn't you consider a career there? And so from that point, I actually decided I wanted to be some sort of doctor. I think I was initially thinking I would be an anesthesiologist. But then um, as I got closer to graduating from high school, I discovered FAMU and their pharmacy school. From there, I guess the rest was pretty much history. Nice. And we'll get into, you know, FAMU and that HBCU lifestyle. (laughs) Um, But I think what you pointed out is really important about individuals who poured into you and and cultivated that passion. And Ijom, I know that you are Nigerian and that whole (laughs) Nigerian lifestyle is very interesting. So can you also talk a little bit about your upbringing and maybe what allowed you to head in that STEM direction? Yep. No, thank you, Wanda. You know, and I think just to add to what Marissa shared, I think growing up in a Nigerian household, you're, you're basically told at a very young age that you must be a doctor. And that is the only goal that you would, should aspire to to get to. So, you know, growing up, I, I did, you know, want to make sure that I, you know, followed in my parents' kind of aspirations for me. However, I think what was eye-opening was being able to travel to Nigeria at a very young age go to the village and really see how horrible the healthcare system is. And I think that really opened my eyes to the fact that we do need to try to aspire to be nurses and pharmacists and doctors and really think through how we can give back and help people who are less fortunate than us. So I would say really outside of just my parents pushing me into the healthcare field, also just being able to to travel to Nigeria and really see how, you know, people in low and middle income countries are, are living also really pushed me to want to get into the healthcare field. I originally, I was definitely focused on just going to medical school, but I learned about a six-year pharmacy program at Rutgers. And I said, wow, within six years, I have a whole doctorate and I can, you know, be the drug expert and help counsel patients. And that is really what pushed me to go to pharmacy school. And then while in pharmacy school, I learned about the pharmaceutical industry. That's great. And it sounds like you, Marissa, had similar experiences in that regard, you know, initially wanted to go down the medical school route. And then um, someone brought up a new opportunity and you had that pivot. And I'm curious, um, Don, I know you mentioned that you're 10 years out, which means you're an expert now. Um, You know, what motivated you to go into pharmacy school? Yeah, no, thanks for the question. And my experience is probably a little bit opposite of theirs. I had no intention of going into medicine or anything along those lines. Um, Honestly, I think it all just comes down to opportunities that you get in life. So when I was in high school, all I knew is that I didn't want to sit in an office. Like I did a an internship and I sat in a colonel's office, which I'm an Air Force brat, um, grew up on military bases my whole life till I went to college. And 
I really hated sitting in the office. So the next year when we had to volunteer, I asked them just like, what's the busiest, like most bustling place that you have? And they just popped me in a pharmacy. And it was just a very natural environment for me. I loved the pharmacy. I loved educating patients. I loved talking to patients, counseling. Like it was just a natural affinity to me, but I actually didn't have super high aspirations. I was working as a pharmacy technician and I was like, this thing's cool to me. And it was a woman pharmacist who was a captain in the Air Force that pulled me to the side and was like, I want you to aspire to more than this. I think that you could become a pharmacist. Um, she started talking to me about school and I did have a natural affinity, I think, towards math and sciences. Math was my strongest suit when I was in school. And she just kind of encouraged me. And when I went to college, I was like, what do I need to do to become a pharmacist? And that's pretty much how that route took place. Now, working in pharma is not exactly what I had planned. I planned to be in the pharmacy my entire career. But, you know, God knows better than we know ourselves. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Irene, you you mentioned that you ended up going to school in the Northeast area and, and you're from Texas. So what motivated you to kind of take your talents up there? I would say that really what drove me, and this is me being super transparent with everyone. So what drove me to leave Houston was the fact that I just knew too many people. And by knowing too many people through undergrad, um, I mean, there was a ton of parties. Houston is a party city. And so for me, I just know my attention span. And I know that I could not focus on pharmacy school in Houston where there's nothing but a nightlife, right? So for me, I just knew myself and I'm just, I just needed to go. So um, that's sort of what drove me to go as far away as possible. So that was really, truly the intent of me going to the Northeast. So I went to school at the University of New England College of Pharmacy. And I intentionally applied to a, a nowhere school because I wanted to get away. So that's essentially what drove me. Um, what I would also say too is the reason why I went into pharmacy was pretty much parallel to what Ijama and Marissa mentioned, right? So as a child, I was given a chemistry set and was told to basically, you know, use this chemistry set because this is what you're going to be. You're going to be a scientist. And that's really what drove me to science. And I was always so compelled by just what my family was doing and some of the responsibilities that I knew I was going to have to carry um, as a Nigerian American um, in, in the U.S., so um, I was always very passionate about science at that point um, in my life. And moving forward, I just kind of folded into being super interested in all of the AP classes, all of the AP courses, um, any sort of advanced math or science course I was involved in um, in high school. And that's sort of what pushed me to move forward in pharmacy. I never truly wanted to be a medical doctor. That was not something that I was ever interested in. Um, but pharmacy, for some reason, just piqued my interest and I just pursued it from there. Thank you for sharing, Irene. And I think it's great that you all are highlighting that you have unique backgrounds and, you know, have different points where you had to pivot or different motivators. Um, but you all end up in a similar, similar situation at the end within the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and I know for me, Irene, you know, speaking to you, you know, there was a moment where I realized, okay, there's actually opportunity for pharmacists in pharma. Marissa, going back to you, when was that moment for you when you realized, okay, I can take my talents as a pharmacist and actually be successful and thrive in, in the pharma industry? Wow. So I, um, I actually vividly remember sitting in one of the huge classrooms at FAMU within the pharmacy school building. Um, and it was the day where we had people coming in to speak to us during our like regularly scheduled forum to share about like non-traditional opportunities that you could pursue as a pharmacist. 
And so actually, believe it or not, I think all of you know, Lena, uh, Lena Singleton, she actually was visiting the, the College of Pharmacy that year. Um, she had graduated some years before, but she had came to sort of represent um, not only the FAMU residency program, but also just like opportunities in the pharmaceutical industry. And I remember hearing her talk and I just like lit up because one, at the time I had already been in contact with Lena, but for other reasons, she's actually uh, my, my profile in, in Delta Sigma Theta. But outside of that, I was just like, whoa, like I never really knew or never really had the opportunity to hear Lena speak this way about her her career path. And so at that point, it just really stood out to me because throughout pharmacy school, I was definitely not your typical bookworm pharmacy student. I think actually my classmates probably wondered when did I study and how did I accomplish the things I accomplished academically because I was also student body president at FAMU. So I had a very a very busy um, pharmacy school life that probably wouldn't be recommended to your average student, just <laughs> the type of time that we needed to be dedicated to studying. But like, I, I always had to represent the university for something. Like I used to have to, you know, travel a lot, but I knew that I, you know, really appreciated having, you know, that business acumen and being able to show my leadership skills and sort of those soft skills that at the time I really didn't realize like, okay, that was what I was honing in and building up. But trying to find a way to fuse that with pharmacy had never really occurred to me until I heard Lena come to the pharmacy school and sort of speak about how, yes, you're a clinical expert. Yes, you you understand um, all of these dis- different disease areas, but have you ever thought about how you could really become a subject matter expert and use that and couple that with your soft skills to excel through the pharmaceutical industry? And so from then on, I was sold. I was convinced that, you know, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. I needed to find my way to pharmaceutical industry. Now, granted, I thought I had did everything I needed to do to prepare, but that would was laughable by the time I made it to ASHP mid-year because it was such a, a, a madhouse and a circus and, you know, so many talented students everywhere. And then just so many d- different things that you don't realize you don't know. But, you know, I think that that was really what initially lit the spark. And gratefully, luckily, there were people who saw something in me that even beyond that was even beyond what I could see in myself. And that is how I made it to really feel like I could be successful in the pharmaceutical industry. What's interesting about your story, Marissa, is there's definitely a strong pipeline at FAMU. And I would love to um, ask Don and Irene, coming from institutions that don't necessarily have that strong pipeline, how were you able to set yourself apart? That's always a question that, you know, student pharmacists have, especially going to mid-year where it feels a little bit more intimidating. How can you show up in the best way possible to get this opportunity? So that's a really good question. So I came from an HBCU in Houston and actually have a very similar story to Marissa's on Christina Wright actually coming to our university and talking about careers in pharma. Um, so I have a very non-traditional way of getting into the pharmaceutical industry as well, which is my, I might lean this question a little bit more over to Irene, because really I had one opportunity to get into pharma. One program was interested into me and I pretty much put my all into that. But honestly, it was the help of Christina and other HBCU grads who were already at the company who were helping to pull me in. And 
you know, helped to give me that opportunity, even though I might not have had everything on my CV um, as well decorated as majority of the people who are coming to ASHP mid-year did. Um, but I would say if I could say one thing I think about standing out is definitely the leadership aspect. And I was told this years later on, you know, why were, was I selected outside of probably candidates who had more decorated CVs than I had. And I had a lot of leadership experience similar to what Marissa was saying, probably not to the extent of what Marissa did at FAMU. Um, but at TSU, I was also, you know, president of APHA. I was active on campus. I was known on campus. And I led a, a very interesting social life um, while I was in pharmacy school, either volunteering or active in organizations while I was also doing my scholastic side. So I think that showing your ability to be able to balance these multiple things, work on teams and get along well with other people. Those are some of the standout qualities that stand out outside of what your GPA is and what your experiences have been on rotations. What about you, Irene? For the most part, for me, I just really tried to hone in on my leadership skills. So that was probably the biggest thing or the recommendation that I was provided. It's you have to make sure that you can at least if you don't have that pharma experience. Right. So I didn't have all the internship opportunities. I didn't have. Well, I had like one rotation. I can say that. <laughs> but I just didn't have that wealth of experience that some of the other candidates did. And so for me, I was told to just basically focus on my leadership skills. Right. Show that I can get involved in other organizations and how I can work collaboratively with other people, how I can lead an organization as well. So I was president of Phi Lambda Sigma or PLS, which is a leadership organization in pharmacy school. So I was president of that organization. And what I did based off of other recommendations from my mentors was to pretty much find innovative ways that, that we can stand out, that our chapter can stand out. So not just being a president, but taking things to the next level. So collaborating with other organizations on campus. We won a few awards for different we, I think we won regional awards for some special initiatives that we were able to initiate. But it's things like that, right? It's thinking outside the box. I was also, I believe I was, can't even remember what position I was. I was president or chair of a committee at APHA. And we won a, a regional award as well because of the innovation that I was able to implement. So it's things like that that I really had to try and do to sort of stand out. So that would be my recommendation is just making sure that people find ways to, if you're not, if you don't have that background, if you don't have experience in the pharmaceutical industry, find other ways that you can stand out. And then also lastly, I would say, Wanda, making sure that you know what pharma is, right? So not just, you know, reading a few books or, or Googling things here and there, but actually taking the time to study what pharma is, study the different functional areas and how they work cross-functionally, right? Because when you go to interviews, it comes out and your knowledge and your experience and even just the, your re the research that you've done in that space, it, it really is coming to light during your interviews. So I think that's what also really helped me is just doing the research and making sure that I knew what I was talking about during the interview process. Perfect. Thank you, ladies, for answering that golden question. I know time and time again, that's the question that all students have. And I appreciate you you being transparent about your own career paths and, and how you were able to take that next step. And, you know, I would love to kind of pivot the conversation and, and learn a little bit more about YBP. But before we do that, maybe you all can let me know, how did you all meet each other? Because kind of listening to your stories, you have unique timelines, everyone kind of graduated pharmacy school at different points. So do you, does anyone remember that moment where you met each other or how you all were connected? Maybe um, Ijoma, you can shine some light on that. Oh, you chose me to do this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So I can tell this story. And it's funny because when I when I think about this, I almost get teary eyed about how I met these amazing women. Um, So Dawn, I met Dawn actually um, because she and others helped recruit me um, into the FAMU residency program um, that we did through our pharmaceutical company. And I'll never forget the first time having a one on one with Dawn. Um, I had my little notebook, my 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 list of questions for her. And I walked into the meeting like it was a business meeting and we sat down. I asked her all the questions and I could tell she's just like giggling at me like look at this young lady she's so professional and she's so serious but but for me I did not take for granted the mentorship that Dawn and others who came before me who took the time to really pour into me like I didn't take that for granted so I looked at every opportunity to meet with Dawn as an opportunity for me to learn from her to grow from her and for me to make sure that I was doing everything I needed to do to complete the residency program at our company and then obtain a role. Now, Marissa also came through the family residency program, and I remember meeting her, and Marissa was an individual that we honestly could have missed, right? She was one that was such, she had such a strong CV, such a strong leadership um, in her experiences at FAMU, and she was really just a leader. When I think of Marissa, I just see, like, a leader. That's what she is. That's the best way I would describe her, and really getting her into the program was um, a blessing to the program, and she not only did a great, fantastic job during um, you know, her residency, but she was able to really, really do well and grow within the company that we worked in. I would say she probably stood out as one of the, the top achievers within the publications group that came out of our program. And to this day, if you say Marissa's name, people say, oh yeah, I remember her, blah, blah, blah. So I love meeting her and it was great to work with her through the family residency program. Now, Irene, I, I met Irene when um, she was uh, a fellow and uh, she was applying for different programs um, at ASHP mid-year. And she ended up getting a program at um, a different company, but we stayed in touch. And I know that her and Dawn lived in the Philadelphia area and they had a really good relationship. So we all kind of just got to know each other through the network of working in different pharmaceutical companies in the, in the area. And I can tell you that we eventually led to the start of a group chat that Marissa started. So she ended up starting the, the Young Black Pharma as a group chat. And it grew for years as a group chat. We grew a lot of members and was very informal at the time. And then eventually, um, and I'll probably let somebody else tell that story of how we actually started as an organization and most recently a nonprofit organization that became formalized. Yeah, I would love to hear kind of that next step, how do you, how you took it from a chat to turning it into a formalized organization. Um, Don, would you like to share that story? So I think that we saw the group chat growing and there was just so much untapped talent in there. And I think what really kicked things off was the pandemic. So when everyone was kind of stuck in the house um, and everyone was way more available because we were no longer traveling from here and there, a lot of us being in the field, we just kind of saw this natural progression of people just wanting to learn from each other. And this is where the webinar started. And we just started these series of webinars focused on numerous topics for us in the pharmaceutical industry. And we just noticed there is so much talent um, within this organization, and we really could just continue to learn from each other. And we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't formally organize this and grow this into something that not only served us as a community, but also served um, all up our people by getting more Black people into the pharma with the hopes of helping to help health equity for African Americans in this country. So I think we just kind of offline just connected and said, hey, like, 
What are we going to do and how are we going to do this? And to be honest with you, we dived in without knowing how to do anything. Just literally Google, how do you formalize an organization or corporation? How do you file all of those things? We just kind of just rolled up our sleeves and just attacked it one step at a time. And just um, the four of us came together and said, this is really something that we need to do. How do we just get started? Once you were able to to do that, I'm sure there were challenges and things that occurred that you weren't expecting. How were you able to stay on that path? Because I know a lot of talented individuals with great ideas, you have aspirations, but you don't see it come to pass. So what kept you motivated and staying on track? Maybe Marissa, you can shine light on that journey. I would say that definitely um, what's kept us motivated is just being able to see what we've accomplished every little step of the way. And I think that it's been bigger, much bigger than ourselves. I think that the community that we've built together has really kept continued to keep us motivated in how they how they continue to show up, whether it be for a webinar, whether it be for a networking event in the dawn of our, our first conference that just happened, really seeing how much the community appreciates what Young Black Pharma is and what it's been doing is definitely a source of motivation. And then I think in terms of just you know, our mantra is really just getting stuff done and balanced. And I think that we are a very powerful group of women that hold each other accountable and it just works. It just flows. Like it's never been super, super structured or formal. We definitely have our our moments where we lock in and we're in super business mode. But I think just most importantly, we respect each other and we hold each other accountable, which is what has allowed us to just always take that next step, whatever that looks like. Um, And a lot of it is us learning and growing as we go. I can say you all are motivating and inspiring myself as a proud member of YBP. It's been so inspiring to see you all take all of us from a group chat and bring us in person to connect and and to relate with one another and to discuss important topics and most importantly, bring our authentic selves. I really appreciate that. And maybe Irene, I know you're part of um, one of the committees. Maybe you can speak to where the theme came from and some of the social aspects that you wanted to incorporate into the organization, because I think that's what makes YBP so unique is that you're able to have that balance of professionalism, but also, you know, socializing and, and making connections. Yeah, thank you, Wanda. So I can say, you know, coming from the marketing perspective, so I, I lead the marketing at, at YBP. And from a marketing perspective, you know, for us, it was really all about making sure that we demonstrated that balance. So as you mentioned, being able to do both, right, as we say in our community, being that that professional that can go into a corporate room and own the room, speak to everybody and sort of not necessarily assimilate, but be able to own what you're saying and, and be your authentic person. But then also leaving that setting and going into a happy hour, going into a community barbecue or things like things like that, where you can be who you are on both sides and still be who you need to be or be who you want to be within both settings, right? So it's just being able to toggle between being both. So I think that's really what it's all about. And what we try to do in marketing is really showcase that to be able to demonstrate the fact that you can bet on yourself and that you can be who you are in both environments and still not feel like you have to code switch. So I I think that that's really what betting on Black is really all about. It's also being sure that you know who you are, owning who you are, and not being afraid to be your authentic self in all of these settings, right? So there's been a lot of social injustices and things that have happened over the years where we felt almost that we could not show up and be who we are in the corporate setting, right? And so being able to showcase that and say, you know what, we are going to be who we are, and we are going to own that, 
and we're going to own the room as we get into that corporate setting and move up the corporate ladder, um, bet on us because we are worth betting on and being able to win when you do bet on us, right? So it's just making sure that we are elevating ourselves and holding each other accountable and showing up and representing the Black community in the corporate setting. I think that's really where it stemmed from. And I'm really excited to see what we're going to do in the future, because I can tell you that that gala, that conference was everything. <laughs> so um, it really showed up, sort of showed up. The theme really represented itself very well in this conference. And I'm really so proud of the entire e-board for just doing what we needed to do to get the job done. As Don mentioned, we kind of started this whole thing not really knowing what we were doing. But after this conference, I can say we've learned so much. And um, we're just looking forward to next year's theme and what that will represent. Thanks for bringing up the gala. I was there and it was definitely a great opportunity to be in the midst of leaders and trailblazers and also the people that I've been speaking to in the chat, but I haven't had the opportunity to be in person. So I thought that was such a great opportunity to connect with everyone coming out of the pandemic. It was one of my first few conferences and I felt energized and ready to go back to work, being myself and knowing that I can achieve anything because, you know, there are people like me in these positions that I aspire to be in. I really appreciate you all having that event and I'm excited to see what will come in the future. But we'd love to kind of learn a little bit more about the gala itself. The theme was Bet on Black. I know you had a great attendance for your first conference, over 200 attendees. I know a lot of work went into that, you know, behind the scenes, things that we didn't know about, but it was executed flawlessly. Maybe Marissa, you can talk us through planning such a large scale event. What kept you going? And I'm sure there were challenges, but what kept you chugging along, keeping on track as you were planning that inaugural event? I guess I have to start with something that me and these three other ladies did around this time last year. And that was really just like our brainstorm planning session for the year ahead. You will recall, Wanda, that we became a formal organization just last November. So November, 2021. And, you know, I think Although we were very excited that we sort of took the steps that we needed to do to get to that point, we knew that there was so much more we wanted to accomplish. And so we spent a lot of our time in that planning meeting talking about, okay, let's dream up this conference and this gala. Let's imagine what it will look like. How many people do you think we can get to attend? And I, I just have to tell this story because it's so funny. Uh that I, I remember specifically, I think it was Ijama who was like, I think we can probably get like anywhere from 30 to 50 people to come. Like, I think that would be like a reasonable goal. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like 30 to 50 people, but I'm like, okay, let's start humble, ensure that we can get at least that amount. And then anything above that will just be a plus, right? And so I think that as we got further and further along in the planning process and just seeing how many people were bought in, and excited, signing up to be members and paying their conference registrations, I think we probably blew that 30 to 50 people out of the water much sooner than we anticipated to the point that it got scary. And I think that that, that little bit of fear that is instilled in us was definitely motivation to make sure that what we said people were going to get out of this experience, that they actually got it. And so I think it's definitely something where we didn't really have a blueprint. We didn't have like some guidance step by step. We really just 
organically every single day. Probably there was something that we did for Young Black Pharma over the past year to make sure that the gala and the conference were a success. And then just speaking to the theme, I think Better on Black was really everything that Irene mentioned previously was we have superpowers when we show up as our authentic selves in the workplace. But even better than that, we are so powerful when we come together as a community that there's so much that we can achieve. There's so much that we can do to pour into each other. There's so much that we can do to encourage each other to take that next step career-wise, but then also doing it by betting on ourselves, betting on our talents, betting on our strengths, betting on our abilities to learn. And so that's really how that theme of Bet on Black was born. Very proud of everything that we accomplished this year. And it's even funny because I think we often have to remind ourselves that this was just our first year, our first conference. We had no idea what we were doing when we went into this. So I think the, the true motivation was really just being so amazed at what we were able to accomplish. So we're, we've set the bar pretty high and we're looking forward to hopefully continuing to raise the bar a little bit each year. Yes. And I'm confident that you all will. I, I think I can't remember who I was joking with, but I, I recommended that the next conference be XUS, preferably somewhere with a nice beach. So if you guys need help with that, let me know. I have a, a couple locations in mind, but I'm super <laughs> I'm super confident in what's to come and would love to kind of tap into that into that now. What's next for YBP? I'm sure that's a big question, but are there any certain topics that you like to hone in more in the new year or anything that you may have learned this past year that exposed maybe an area that needs a little bit more grooming and cultivating with your membership? No. So I guess one thing I was going to mention. So I think we had a really great meeting, um, a great combination of nice sessions and also the social aspect. I think one of the things that we did learn is, as you probably heard from our backgrounds, is that all of us are PharmDs by background. And because of that, I think it's just a natural matriculation that majority of the people in the organization are also PharmDs. But that's not our entire organization. I think if we pulled it out, we might only account for like 45 to 50% of our membership. So I think in our years to come, we're going to focus also on trying to provide more of a diverse experience for our people with um, all various backgrounds who are in pharma. Um, I think there's a little bit of a misconception that the organization is geared towards PharmDs, which was never our intention, but just kind of, I think, naturally started to occur that we have a lot of sessions that are PharmD focused because we're obviously paying those back to our mentees. But that's one of the focuses, I think, from the professional development standpoint is trying to come up with probably more tracks, um, both um, for senior individuals and also for junior individuals, and then also bringing in the aspect of, you know, having a lot of experiences for people from different parts of the organization and also how can people move within organizations if they're interested in commercial but they're in medical how do you also kind of pivot um functional areas while you're in your pharmaceutical career thanks don for kind of sharing your goals um as the head of professional development right I, i'm curious maybe ijoma you can speak from your perspective and your committee you know what are you looking forward to in the new year yeah, I think a, a huge focus on next year for membership and social would really be how can we increase our membership, right? We have a network of about a thousand plus individuals in the group chat. Right now we have about, I believe, 200 members that are, you know, they're paying their dues and they have access to all of our offerings. How do we bridge that gap? 
right? How do we get more of the individuals that are in our group chat to really get more involved in the organization and really commit to being members? I would also say, and I think this is something that every organization struggles with, is how do you get your members more involved? And how do you get your members to join committee, give back, help plan the conference, help plan different webinars, you know, join to be speakers, initiate different fundraising events? How do we get more individuals involved and want to really, you know, um, see this organization forward, right? And I think that's something every organization struggles with. So I think that's something we also need to think about in terms of how do we draw more people to get involved in the organization who want to give back and and really see this organization just skyrocket and, and take over. I think If you were to say, what's our ultimate goal? This organization should be the go-to organization for Black individuals working in the pharmaceutical industry, regardless of your educational background, regardless of your years of experience, we should be the go-to organization, right, for men and women. And I think that really is how I would sum up, like, our goal. And I think across all of the different committees that that we lead, and also if we can get more people, hopefully this podcast will help too as well as a nice plug, it would be great to get more people involved too as well. Yes, and you're definitely on track to to reaching that goal. Um, and Irene, I'm, I'm curious from a marketing standpoint, what are your plans? And you know, maybe some things are confidential, so share what you can. What are your plans to get the organization to to that spot? Yeah, thank you, Wanda. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited because a lot of what we're doing is going to have to be marketed in some way or, or some fashion. So. As Ijama mentioned, creating that membership pool is going to be huge, right? And marketing has a lot of impact on that, right? Thinking about how we can maybe reach out to people who are not necessarily in pharma, but maybe who are interested in becoming a member of YBP or becoming um, or getting into the pharmaceutical industry. For us, I would say that's probably a big portion of what we're trying to consider or think about. I can tell you that there's been a lot of DMs that we've received across all of our platforms in regards to how do I get in? What do I need to do? How can I be part of this movement, right? And so we're just trying to really sort of brainstorm what we're going to do in order to achieve that. Because I think another part of YBP, or at least a, a long-term goal, would be to increase the amount of Black representation in pharma, right? So it's not only about you know those who are already in pharma, but it's also about how we can maintain that outreach and how we can get more, more of us involved in the pharmaceutical industry. So I feel like from a marketing perspective, that's one of our biggest goals. I would say that's more of a long-term goal versus next year. Um, But we're really excited about that. I would also say that we're just all about demonstrating the impact that our organization has on the community. Not only necessarily that, but just what is the impact that our organization has within YBP itself, right? So the professional advancement, figuring out how we can make, or we can bring more Black representation and leadership roles, right, who make key decisions. I think that's also what it's really much about. And so finding ways that we can market the organization as such. In addition to that, we're also thinking about different ways that we can sort of maybe take things to the next level as it relates to talent acquisition. So more to come with that. We are partnering with several pharmaceutical related industries to be sure that we can sort of leverage this talent pool that we have. So we're just really excited to see what's coming forth, Wanda. And um, I would just say stay tuned for more information. Thanks, Irene. And to to close out goals and expectations, Marissa would love to hear from you. I know you have a lot of great ideas as, as far as taking the organization to the next level. Um, what are your thoughts as, as the president of YBP? I would definitely say these ladies have hit on pretty much all of our strategic priorities heading into 2023. I think the one thing that I'll actually give a nod to Dawn on this, because she's always uh, kept us grounded in this, is just how can we expand our community footprint? 
and what that looks like. So that's definitely something that we want to continue to ideate on, but then also figure out what that looks like for Young Black Pharma in the years to come. And then um, I guess a little bit of a different take. I am hoping that we can demystify the young and young Black Pharma. I think that a lot of people may associate young with some sort of age limit. And I really wanted to just take the opportunity on this podcast, but then even beyond this podcast to sort of demystify that young is tied to a certain, you know, level of experience or, you know, a certain age. Um, But more so our community is very inclusive and we do want it to be that go-to organization for Black professionals in this industry, like Ijama just mentioned. So definitely trying to figure out a, a creative way to not necessarily change the name, but to have people um, have a broader understanding and appreciation for the organization, age limit aside, there is no age limit in Young Black Pharma. And then another shameless plug, it wouldn't be me if I didn't do this. In addition to (laughs) increasing our membership, we obviously want to attract more sponsors in 2023, you know, cash rules, everything around me. So (laughs) we will need more funds in order to continue to pour into this community and have quality programming and conference and galas to come. So definitely that is where a lot of my thoughts and planning is in terms of heading into the next year. Well, thank you, ladies, for sharing your plans and aspirations for the new year. I know it will all come to pass. And I'm happy that the the young is is an everlasting term because I hope to be young forever. Um, so I appreciate that, Marissa. And, you know, again, just appreciate your time. And before we close out, I would love for the audience to kind of get to know you on a more personal level through a game that we call 15 Questions with Just With Wanda. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. I think so. (laughs) All right. So the first question is around how you describe yourself. But I think to mix it up, and since you all are on the call, I'll ask you all to describe each other. Um, So it's just going to be random. Marissa, maybe you can describe Irene with three words really quickly. Graceful, uh, a leader, a marketing guru. All right. And then Ijoma, can you describe Don with three words? Feisty. (laughs) <laughs> um motivated oh what's the other one extremely solution driven okay and then irene can you describe marissa with three words that's tough um a beast <laughs> that's a good beast a beast passionate and amazing and then don can you describe ijoma Joma knows my number one adjective for her is theatrical, (laughs) (laughs) but organized. Um, Organized for real. Yeah, like organized beyond belief and very caring. That's nice. I love how you all have strong verbs and adjectives for each other. I think it speaks to your your organization and leadership. Okay, so now it's going to be reversed. I want you to describe yourself. Don, can you describe yourself with three words? I guess motivated, passionate, and this isn't a word, but work hard, play hard. That's me all the way through. (laughs) And then Irene, how about you? Yeah, this is an interesting question, uh, Wanda, because I never had to do this. Uh, I would say reserved, but wild. And then number three would be, (laughs) number three would be um, hearing. Okay. Marissa, how about you? 
Um, I would say well-rounded, um, ambitious, um, but also like fun. I like to keep things like harder than fun. Okay. And then Ijoma, your turn. I think you have to add the dramatic part. <laughs> <laughs> um, emotional, right? Like that's, that's a word, right? Definitely emotional. Um, practical sometimes to a fault but practical um oh god what's the other one? Oh god i don't know uh passionate just throw that in there too as well <laughs> <laughs> perfect i love it all right so here's a fun one maybe we'll start with you Ijoma. who is your favorite musician oh lord <laughs> <laughs> oh I mean, okay, so I'll be honest. I'm not a music person. I'll just be completely transparent. So I'm going to answer a different question. Um, who is my favorite author? Right now, I would have to say it's uh, Chiamanda Ngozi Adichie. She's my favorite author. So I, I, I'm not a music person. I, don't, I listen to music to tune out the noise of everything else. <laughs> I appreciate that. And Marissa, I know you love to quote rap lyrics. So tell us who your favorite musician is. <laughs> uh, I probably have to go with Drake because he's loaded with double entendres. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Drake. Okay. And and Don, how about you? I'm, I'm curious if it's someone from Texas. Actually, I'm going to go with someone from Mississippi. Um, his name is Big Crit. And the reason why he's one of my favorite artists is because he's the jack of all trades. I really respect people who can do it all. He raps, he sings, he plays instruments, he produces all of his songs, um, he produces other people's music too. He's just like a goat of, of all trades. So that's why I like him. Nice. And Irene, feel free, you know, if you want to go the author route, you can. Who's your favorite? No, I, I would go the music route. So um, Jay-Z is going to forever be my person. Um, he just has that consistency and he just makes classic music. I, I don't like fads. I'm not really into music that's like trending per se. I like things that I can play time and time again, that it's timeless music. And in 30 years, it's still going to be off the chain. So Jay-Z represents that for me in hip hop. If not Jay-Z, of course, it'd be Biggie. But um, he really um, just demonstrates what it is to be an all around artist. Like he's just, a, he's just an amazing rapper. Like his lyrics are insane. And I don't think people really take the time to like, deep dive and pull apart what Jay-Z says in his lyrics. But if they did, I think everybody would agree. Nice. All right. So this next question, I will ask you about one another. So Irene, if you had to take something from Marissa's closet, what would it be? <laughs> you asked the right question to me. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> I, I, okay. There's one thing I, I'm not going to say that I'm like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to text y'all about that one. Um, so, but I would say the second thing that I would take from her closet, um, who, oh gosh. Um, well, first off, let me just say that Marissa like is a label beast like me. Like we just like, <laughs> we love labels. And so I'm always looking at her closet. I cannot even think of like a specific item. I would just say that Marissa just has a way about dressing that I just love. Oh, no, 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 no. Nope. You know what I can take? There is a Prada, I don't know how to explain it. 
Marissa, it's that Prada bag that's like the crossbody. It's a black mm -hmm. Prada basic bag that is the most amazing piece that I still have not purchased. So I would say if anything, I would select that. And then the other one, I'm going to keep that private and I'll send y'all a text. <laughs> <laughs> and Marissa, what would you take from Don's closet? Ooh. See, now Don is, uh, she's she's the, a slim uh, and a little taller than me, but I can only aspire. <laughs> But I feel like Dawn just has so many like timeless like dresses that she pairs so lovely with either like some sneakers or some heels. So I probably would spend some time in there and figure out, you know, what I could actually pull off. But, you know, Dawn is uh, she's got a, a very special style. <laughs> and Dawn, would you take anything from Irene's closet? Ooh. Yeah, Irene, I know, I know what Irene's got. Irene's got big boy Chanel bags, y'all. Like the type of Chanel bag that lets you know, like, this person is an accomplished person on this planet. Um, I think you have like a blue one. Yeah, I snagged that thing. <laughs> and then Ijoma, is there anything that you would want to keep from all three of these ladies? I can actually name I can actually name the items for you right now. This is gonna be hilarious. <laughs> so for Marissa, I'm snagging her. Is that the Van Cleef bracelet you have? Mm. Right? <laughs> yes, I'm snagging that. So I'm taking her jewelry. Um, Irene has these, like I really like her her Gucci shoes. I think they're just so cute. So I'd probably take all of them um from her. Um and Dawn, oh Lord have mercy. Um so she has this called Gaia like bucket bag. It's not a bucket bag. It's shaped like a pearl. It's a pearl bag from called Gaia. And I love that bag. Like I love it. So I would snag that from her. Um, and that's just, I can literally name that item. And there's probably like 10 other items I would name from each of their closets. Like Marissa has these shoes. I think they're, I don't, what brand is it? Some type, she actually just posted on Instagram yesterday. She had on this nice, like all white cream outfit. And then these, um, and they're like a designer boot. I don't know what brand it is, but they look so beautiful. I would take those off her feet. They were That's Gucci. Like, Gucci, thank <laughs> you. I would literally take those Gucci shoes from her. Yes. Yep. Sounds <laughs> like you like Gucci. Noted. Noted. <laughs> I would have to agree with everyone. And I can send you my address. Christmas is around the corner. Happy to accept any type of sponsorships or donations. Thank you very much. Um, but that's perfect. And, you know, I think that's that speaks to your relationship and having that balance, right? You can be a boss and still look good. So I appreciate that. Um, okay. Favorite corporate buzzword? Just one word. And we can start with you, Don. Favorite? I don't know if it's my favorite, but probably the one I use the most is circle back. Love it. Me too. Marissa, how about you? Yo, I got to go with bandwidth. <laughs> I always thought that I always thought of that only in the context of like internet. And when I started my fellowship, I was just like, yo, people use the word bandwidth so much. It was hilarious to me. So that's definitely my favorite. Irene, how about you? Well, I would have to agree with Marissa. Um, bandwidth is whoa, like that's my favorite one. But um, I guess I would add chime in. Um, I don't know why. It's just when I hear chime in, I just think of like something actually chiming, like an actual sound. So it just it makes me excited when I use the word. So um, that's mine. Annie Joma, how about you? Pivot. Pivot. Y'all, they <laughs> use the word pivot so much. And I'll never forget first hearing that word. I said, pivot. I said, what, what, is, what is this word? And why are we using this word so often? But they love it. Oh, my goodness. That's my favorite one. That's so funny because I think I've used that word four times on this interview. So. 
just blame it blame it on the corporate environment <laughs> and i know you all love to travel so i'd love to hear your favorite travel location to date and we can start with you ijoma oh my goodness ooh okay there's so many places but i'll be honest my favorite city would have to be barcelona um and the reason is because i value being able to shop in a city being able to eat really good food being able to see sites and go to museums and learn about the history and culture but also i can't forget we also have to be able to party hard and i think barcelona uniquely provides all four of those things and you don't necessarily get all four in every single city you go to so that is the reason why barcelona is my favorite so we got barcelona irene how about you what's your top location most of these ladies already know um so mine is going to have to be paris and the reason why is because well first and foremost the shopping is impeccable so i can't imagine having access to or i didn't know this was available right having access to multiple high end stores like chanel is on every single corner it is insane and they all have different inventory so imagine one city that's able to do that right and then you also have the ability to just sit on the streets um there's a lot of you know different bakeries and just areas and restaurants where you can just sit outside and eat and people watch it is the most amazing opportunity to do that so i want to say that all of those things and then the weather is so beautiful and everybody is a fashionista you know without trying so i feel like all of these things happen in one sitting like can you imagine so i just really love paris for that reason and then also everybody's just kind of minding their own business um the environment just the ambiance in paris i mean how can you how can you beat that so that's mine awesome so europe is winning marissa what about you all right so for me travels um, I think what makes me feel most alive and energized during my travels are mountains and water. That's like hands down my favorite like scenery and I'm like a sucker for a good view. So I would have to go with um, between Cape Town because again, just beautiful, so much culture, but also that mountains and water. Um, but then also Rio. Rio in Brazil is also has the mountains and the water, but again, a lot of culture, good food scene, um, you can definitely have a great time with the nightlife. So um, I think those are probably like my top ones in no particular order. And Don, how about you? Yeah, Marissa might have stole mine. So I was going to say, I guess, travel to date. My favorite trip has been South Africa. I love, I mean, all of the places we go, I love to indulge in cultures, but there's something about exploring African cultures that just touches your heart differently. Um, so I love, I mean, to this day, no, no other trip has ever beat the South Africa trip that I went on, um, both between Joburg and Cape Town. And I'm convinced that Cape Town might just be like the most beautiful place ever. Um, so, yeah. All right. So next one is, what would you say, Irene, is the biggest way to invest in yourself in, as far as having a daily routine? Well, I can tell you what my daily routine looks like. Firstly, I, I, I have to pray in the morning. Um I take time and I've been trying to be better at doing this every single day, but probably I take an L every now and then. Um, but I, I have to do that because it sort of level sets me and gets me ready for the day. Um, and once I do that, I feel like everything sort of falls into place. So um, I'm all about starting off with that and then taking mental time before I even get to work. 
So all of you guys know that, you know, our jobs are very demanding and there's just a lot going on. So you have to kind of have that level of peace before you sort of hop into those calls because that's when things sort of fall downhill. So I'm all about taking time. Um, and then I have to give me a cup of coffee. <laughs> that is part of my self-care. It's a mental thing. It's me getting my level, my, my head straight before I start, you know, going crazy with the chaos. So I, I would say that. Um, and then I have to make sure that I take hot showers like throughout the day. Like I'm all about taking multiple showers. It sort of helps me to sort of um, reset, I guess, before things get too chaotic. So that is me. Nice. And Marissa, what about you? What are your top two self-care tips? Uh, top two, I would say on a weekly basis to just have at least one day of rest and downtime. Um, it's just so good for your, your, to be in your right mind of thinking to, you know, get new ideas to sort of energize for everything that's to come in the rest of the week. So that downtime for me typically looks like listening to church. I'll be honest, like I've been really, really into doing church from home since the pandemic. So that's definitely something that I spend in my day of rest, but then also just time with family or friends and sleep. Like I need that on a weekly basis. So if at least one day I get a solid night's sleep, then I'm good. Uh, but then for number two, probably more so on like a monthly or every time I get a chance would be to go to the spa and get a really good deep tissue massage. All of our uh, travels and whether that be for like personal or work, I feel like it's so essential to sort of get that reset at the spa. What about you, Ijoma? What's your reset? Oh boy, that's a good question. So I'm the type of person that um, I really thrive and I do well when I'm surrounded by people that I love, right? Like I love social events. I love um, getting on the phone with my friends. I love travel with my friends. I really enjoy that. And it honestly like re-energizes me when I'm able to get on the phone with someone and talk out an issue or just, you know, talk about, you know, you know, upcoming milestones or, you know, just even if we're just even talking about just informal things. So I think for me, Sometimes even just my drive home from work, being able to get on the phone with someone and just talk, that really, really, really like resets me. And it allows me to kind of just let go from like the stresses of work. Um, I would also say that like, I really enjoy like gym classes. I can't sit here and lie to you all and tell you that I enjoy working out. I, I don't necessarily enjoy working out, but I do love being in a class type of experience with other people where we're pushing each other and we're motivating each other. I think it goes back to me just like, like being surrounded by people, right? I enjoy that and it's something that motivates me. So if I am going to go to the gym, I do like classes right now, F45. And I think Wanda, you also are into F45 too as well. Um, right now, that's my gym of choice. It used to be Orange Theory. I've kind of moved over and switched gears. Um, so that's also something else that I do that really helps me reset. Oh, I'm so excited to hear that because I remember you had asked me about F45 and I think it's great. It's quick, quick workout, you know, get yourself moving and kind of get back into your your daily routine. John would be curious to hear what your top two self-care tips are as well. Yeah, a little bit along the same line. So I, I really believe in the the working out piece. And I think for me, that was a realization when I was at MSL and traveling like crazy. I wasn't prioritizing myself in working out and I could feel it. Um, 
emotionally, physically, you know, within. So uh, I remember one of my lines is that my work can't have my body. So I really prioritize work. I had to learn how to even stop working when you have things that you're doing, but to prioritize that. And for me, I really prefer to work out in the morning, but I find that I do prefer I, it works better for me to force myself to stop working, go work out, reset my brain. And it's kind of like, it's a good way to separate the day from the evening time. Um, and currently right now I'm really into reformer Pilates and I'm, anybody have any questions, love to talk about it. I love to encourage more black women to get into um, reformer Pilates. I think it's an amazing workout, but anyways, um, that is, that's probably my big thing for me. And then also I really like to travel and travel is also for me, I think it's like, it's a way to set a goal to aspire to. So if you know that you have travels upcoming, it gives you kind of a way to like check off days off the list and you have something to look forward to. And I think it helps to kind of break up the mundane of working, you know, nine to five Monday through Friday. Perfect. Ladies, thank you so much for your time. I know we've been trying to schedule this for a minute now. And I, you know, with the holidays and everything, I really appreciate you just taking a few minutes to talk with me and, and my audience and imparting wisdom on everyone, sharing a little bit about your unique journeys, you know, how you got to where you are, what you're aspiring to do with your unique organization, Young Black Pharma. And I'm so honored to be a member of the organization and see how far you all have come individually as well as through through your work in, in YBP. And I think what is so unique about you all is that you have that balance, right? You know, as you were describing yourself and describing each other, you know, it also speaks to how well-rounded you are. You you have a role at work, but you also have a role in your communities. You have a role with your families and your friends. And you were able to articulate that on the call and, and really just showcasing that you can, you know, have it all in, in some way or, or shape or form. So I really appreciate your time. And before we go, maybe Marissa, you can tell the audience how they can get in contact with you all or get more acquainted with the organization before we wrap. Absolutely. So we are on all of the social media platforms, including uh, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn and Twitter. And then we also have our website, which is youngblackpharma.org, where you can find out what's available to members um, and definitely join as a member. If you're a part of the pharmaceutical industry and you have not done so yet, we would love to have you. Perfect. Well, thanks again, ladies. And I can't wait for the next gala, the next webinar, the next live event. Um, I'm definitely your number one supporter and I appreciate your time again. Thank you, Wanda. Special thanks to the ladies of Young Black Pharma for chatting with us today. If you haven't already, check out our merchandise on our brand new website, JustWinWithWanda.com. We love reviews, so remember to leave us one and subscribe today. For information on podcast ads or sponsorship, visit our website or email JustWinWithWanda at gmail.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.